Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I got an itch, and the only prescription is scratch my back. We're the Hacksaw's Dying Alive podcast. This week, more people are hurt, uh, specific to the Penguins. Not you know, In general, though, I'm sure people in the world are hurt, but the Penguins are also still uh, hurting as well. Uh, we're going to go over some numbers behind that, take a look at the uh, recent events, uh, and uh, look at the games ahead. It's Dying Alive podcast. I'm Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined as always by my fellow Dying Alivers, Patrick Damp of ThePensBlog.com. Say hello, Patrick. Hey, Jesse. I like that. Uh, I like that new distinction. Your fellow Dying Alivers. Big fan. Yeah. And um, a man whom we think may have had pertussis last year, Michael Darnay of Pensburg.com. What's up, Michael? I've got the cough now. You do, and I do not. I, yeah. For the first time in what feels like approximately 15 months, I feel pretty good. The best I could describe this is, is a tickle. Mm-hmm. It's just annoying. Mm-hmm. It's very annoying. Um, it's, the, it's the kind of annoying where you always need to have a bottle of water around in case you go into an attack while you're out and about. Uh, so, uh, I guess we'll just get started because there's so much that we have to talk about. We weren't around for the holidays. Um, I'm going to start the show off by thanking, uh, Laura, um, whose Twitter handle translates to werewolf bar mitzvah, uh, for sending us another round of delicious Christmas cookies. Yes, oh, absolutely. They were so good. I'm going to tell you guys, and here's the thing, cause there's two kinds that, that we got this year. The first kind was... The same one that we got last year, which I requested, which was the toffee chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also got a peanut butter joint this year. Yes, we did. Peanut butters, which is a little exciting. Yeah, and I think um, I think those got thrown in um, because of the correspondence about cookies, and we all kind of mentioned that those were good. Yeah. Which ones? The peanut butter ones? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. We may have said that. I believe that. Um also, on a side note, this goes way back to Halloween. It's just embarrassing. It's now January. <laughs> um, but Eric Majeski, uh, uh, who's a frequent writer to the show, also sent us in some of the zombie Skittles. Now, I didn't even realize this until after I had already eaten them. And Mike and I ate them when we were drunk. So yeah, the grain yeah. of salt. Pat is probably the only – well, actually, Pat was going to eat them live on the show which apparently was the the right idea. But then I came home one day and was like, I got these. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who might not know what zombie Skittles are, and I did not until Eric mentioned them, it's basically regular fruit flavored Skittles, except like in these little mini packs, there's one or two that are quote unquote rotten. Gentlemen, no, they're like the, uh, yes, Patrick. I have a pack of them right here. Oh, are you going to crank them open now? Let's see how these are. You're just, you're oh, yeah. just going to munch on them throughout the show, and we'll find out when you get a bad one? Nah, here's the thing. We'll, there's plenty of time for the hockey. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, I got one right off the bat. <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck but is But here's this? the thing, though. So I didn't I didn't even think that the quote-unquote bad How could a blue one, betray me like this? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't find a single one of them displeasing. I um I think he sent three packs. Two of the packs had one rotten one in each of mine. The other pack did not have any rotten ones. But uh, Pat, one of mine did have a blue rotten one, and it was bad. Oh my god! I don't even I don't even remember eating mine. So uh, I, I do. Um, <coughs> and as as the three of us were discussing with Eric yesterday about this or Sunday, whenever it was. I get hungry when I've been drinking, so I just decided to eat them one night, kind of forgetting that we were going to do it on air. And then I was like, oh, well, mine are gone, so. Yeah, I intentionally held off because I thought we were going to eat them live, so then when we talked to him yesterday, I decided, you know what, I'll actually hold off and not eat them when I get home from work and wait to do this now. And I I don't want to say I don't regret it, but, you know, I'm not exactly happy with what just I just consumed. They remind me of the um, Jelly Belly Jelly Beans. Or yeah, that's the whole. Gross. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Yeah. yeah. And uh, all right, well, Skittles. I don't wanna, I'm so mad at you. <laughs> all right, well, I don't. Here's the thing. We got a let's let's. Now that we got that out of the way, what are you? What what emotion do you feel more strongly? <laughs> let's start by tapping into our feelings. 
Are you more excited that Sidney Crosby's coming back or more upset that Jake Gensel got hurt? Honestly, it's probably uh, that's probably a push for me because, one, I, I was all in on the Jake Gensel scores 40 goals part two movie because he was well on his way to that. But I'm also pretty excited that uh, that we're getting the best player in the world back. Mm. I just want to I just want to reference here, Pat, that you did have the under in the Jake Gensel over under competition. And much like last year, I'm very okay with being wrong. I know, but you just kind of build that as if you've been on it from day one, and I wanted to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not necessarily true. I mean, I was more on the just him playing as well as he had the last year and a half because I've brought up I've brought it up on the pod a bunch. There's that whole national audience thing where guys parachute in and they're like, oh, well, you know, that that Jake Gensel guy, he's, he's you know, he's just he's just another product of Sid. And it's like the only reason I was wondering, I was wondering what voice you were going to use for these people. And uh, you didn't disappoint me. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I just wanted you to know that. The, I, I don't think it was malicious, but it did irritate me a little bit watching when he kind of got hit and tripped up going to the boards because it seemed kind of unnecessary. I, I took it – I'll be honest with you. I, took, I, I know a lot of people were jammed up about it, but I, it was just so innocuous to me. Yeah, yeah. I think I, – I feel like it was one of those kind of hits where a guy's hitting someone just to hit them, but I don't think he meant to actually hit him that hard. I thought they kind of just got in each other's way almost. Yeah. Yeah, it, it reminded me of like a DB and a wide receiver just getting tangled up, really. Like it wasn't. Well, yeah. And the bummer part about it, guys, is that, you know, kind of alluding to what Pat said, he was on pace for 41 goals. And I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I, I, I was pretty – I said on Twitter that he'd have gotten 40 if he was healthy. And my basis for saying that is that he's not a guy deprived of, of scoring chances and like mm-hmm. a high expected goal total. He's out there, you know, really doing the damn thing. So um, I have no doubt that uh, I have no doubt that uh, that it, I mean, it look, it's a huge like here's the thing. OK, you, you talk about the, the Penguins got to go out. They got to get a you know, they got to get somebody now. They have to get a left wing or whatever the case would be. They, they do, but they're not getting that goal production. No, and the only positive I think you can draw is I know the window is four to six months, and four puts you into the second round of the playoffs. But if it's a big if, he can come back. He can come back, and salary cap's not an option, not a obstacle. So they could add somebody and still have him come back if that were to happen. Yeah, it would be like the 2015 Blackhawks ad in Vermette when they had Kane on the shelf until the end of the season, and then all of a sudden, oh, look at that, Kane's healthy. Yeah, you're, you're $10 million over the salary cap, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. They're, well, they're going to have the cap space from the long-term relief yeah. that they've built up from just about everybody that they've had injured over the course of the last you know, year. Um the I, I think one one piece to this that I, I is worth mentioning for me is that any move that they make, I think is likely to include one of Nick Bugstad or Alex Galchenyuk. That clears yeah. more money off the books, right? Now you're driving that, you know, that cap that cap space up even more. So, um, I, I think for and I think for that reason, and I'm sure we'll get into this later. Maybe we could just get into it now. Uh, I think for that reason, I'm less inclined to make a run at like a Chris Kreider, uh, only because I think the cost is going to be more extreme. Yeah, I well, think you could get away with something. Sorry, Dan. I just feel like you could get away with trading for like Tyler Toffoli, giving up like an Alex Galchenyuk and some other junk. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say is, as Jim Rutherford tends to do, if he makes that move within the next couple weeks, you might be able to go for a bigger name before the trade deadline prices start spiking. And that's, I mean, yeah, make a run at the guy you want. Yeah. And that's also, that's Rutherford's move is he always goes for guys 
pre-deadline rather than at deadline to give them a little bit more time to acclimate. So I really think in the next couple of weeks we'll see a move like that. Yeah. It's funny, the last uh, you know public comments he gave uh, to Rob at The Athletic was that I am not looking to do anything. Actually, I think this is great, and I want to see what the team looks like when everybody's healthy. And then like two days later, <laughs> yeah, guess what, Jim? Your plans have changed, whether you like it or not. Which I think Rutherford's statement is fair, um, because you do want to see what your team looks like assembled fully healthy, not half healthy. Yeah. On um, full disclosure, by the way, we're recording this show tonight um, uh, bef- uh, prior to the Vegas game result, so we will not be covering that in here. However, uh, before that game and leading up to it, uh, the Penguins are 25-11-5 despite the injury situation. Um, tied with second place in the Metro with the Islanders at 55 points. Um, here's an interesting tweet from uh, at Man Games Lost NHL. Uh, top five points in standings lost due to injured players. Um, this is, you know, again, evaluating point shares, um, you know, the, the, with players out in the lineup. Uh, 11.9 points lost for the Penguins. Let's round that up to 12 points. Mm-hmm. And uh, now let's think about what the division looks like uh, without I'm, those man games lost. Yeah, I believe the as it stands, the Washington Capitals have an eight-point lead on mm-hmm. the Islanders and Penguins. So, I mean, if you, you add 12 points to the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've said it on this show already this year, but that whole early season run by the Caps just smells like poo-poo to me, if you want me to be honest with you. I, I agree, but also I, they're, they're still really showing signs of being a strong team. Like, it doesn't hurt that they gave themselves a cushion right out of the gate, but they still really look like a good hockey team and a really good, serious contender so uh, part of me agrees but also a part of me thinks that again in the east the road runs through washington well like george w bush once said patrick fool me once shame on me fool me twice you're gonna go fool me again fool me again (laughs) (laughs) um do we want to cover let's go over so well before we go into um uh, you know some of the other penguin specific stuff. We're going to stop for a minute and do an update on our over under uh, midway points. So shout out to Matt Schaefer. He did all of this in a very beautiful Excel chart um, that uh, not only tracks where players are currently, but what they're on pace for. Uh, very well done. Kudos, Matt. Um, I bet you could use Excel without a mouse, and that's a compliment. Um, all right, well, so here's what we got. So Alex Gauchenyuk uh, is the player we'll start with first, and boy, is this an ugly one. Um, we said 19 goals was the over-under set by Dom uh, Lucision's model at The Athletic. Um, Mike and Pat with the over, Jesse with the push, uh, on pace for nine goals. Yep, feels about right. Yeah, what a turd of a season he is having. And you'll notice this because we'll probably say it more than once as we go through the over-unders, but it's like I don't blame Mike Sullivan for you know yanking him off of the top line recently and just putting him, you know, kind of burying him in the lineup because you know you it, can only you it, can only give a player so much time with top billing to produce right, exactly. And, and here's the thing with a guy like it because we're going to get to Dominic Simone next. Um, and a lot of people have similar complaints about him, but I think the difference with Dominic Simone is look at what's happening, you know, peripherally or on ice metric wise. Um, you know, th- there's other stuff that he's doing that's contributing to the success of the team, whereas we're not getting that uh, same stuff out of Alex Gauchenyuk. Yeah, like you look at, you know, when, once we get into Dom here, comparing it to Galchenyuk is. A lot of positive things are happening in the offensive zone when Dom Simone is on the ice. And I said it last, I think, either last episode or the episode before. Yeah, we'd like him to score some more, but the chances keep coming. And the offense is is doing what it needs to do when he's on the ice. We can't say the same for Galchenyuk. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Dominic Simone. Uh, eight goals was the uh, over-under here from Dom's model. I had over. Mike had under. Pat had over on pace for eight. 
be coming down to the wire. Coming down to a push here, boys. This could be, uh, this could be another one that none of us win. <laughs> well, this one, this next one's Nick Beegstad. I'm just going to skip that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yep. not even worth going over. Jake Gensel, we talked about 36 goals. Um, what was the over under set by Dom? Wow, 36, and Pat took the under. Ooh, yeah, if I Pat. if I recall, I said I thought he was going to get 35. Is that what the okay? All right, Evgeny Malkin, 88 points. Uh, right now has 39 on pace for 96. Um, we all had an over except for Mike, who went push. Sidney Crosby. Probably could just skip that one. Yeah, when injuries get involved, it yeah. kind of throws a wrench in things. Chris Letang, 56 points was the over-under. We all took the over, and he's on pace for 58. Look at us. Who would have thought? Another, another one down to the wire, possibly. Yeah, Brian Dumoulin, four and a half goals. I'm not ruling this one out. He's on pace for three. Uh, I'm not. I'm not excluding the opportunity for him to accrue an additional four and a half goals. Yeah, I mean, could get a couple quick ones when he comes back. Yeah, I like that we added the half to this. Yeah, <laughs> to make it. <laughs> well, when you when you're dealing in lo- when you're dealing in low numbers, yeah. you, you got to use the half. Uh, Justin Schultz, we all took over at six goals. Um, he's on pace for five, so also still still a possibility. And he's getting closer to returning, from what it sounds like. Does everybody know where their passport is right now? If I asked you to find it right now, would you be able to get it? Yes. Yeah, me too. Or what? Mine is in mine is in a fire safe box. Where what is? Passport. Oh yeah, uh, I don't have one. Oh, hey Jesse, you want to go out of the country and leave Pat home? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Take me. Take me away. Um, I th- so Casey DeSmith obviously loses his passport <laughs> entirely. <laughs> Um, on his and I for at first I'll be honest with you guys when this first happened I didn't buy it I thought there was like some kind of bizarre underlying so is it lost entirely or was it just not found in time to make the trip um, to my knowledge the passport was not located <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to be corrected on that though I mean I'm, this... I'm, I'm good at misplacing things but I keep pretty tight control on where my passport is i didn't keep up with this past sunday so i don't know if it ended up turning up but as of sunday the answer was no and emma warmy who is one of the funniest follows on twitter of all time um uh the the penguins biggest fan tweet is hall of fame yeah go ahead pat you can i mean he just he just tweeted a picture of one of dana heinze's locker room fans and said look it's the penguins biggest fan yeah (laughs) So funny. Um, so anyway, he ends up getting the call up for you know the brief little t- cup of Joe there um, uh, in the most recent performance against the Canadians. Nice um, little, nice little one day of NHL pay. Yeah. So it's just a reminder to get that out of the way now. If you if you're listening to the podcast, you don't know where your podcast, you don't know where your uh, passport is. Um, isn't uh, yet. isn't Larmy's Twitter bio in another language? Doesn't it translate to yes? Patrick Line also scored on me. <laughs> you may be right. I'll be honest with you. I didn't translate it. I have no idea. Wasn't there something hilarious he was tweeting about his girlfriend leaving to go back overseas, and he was I'm sit- pretending to be. I'm sitting. He's pretending. I'm sitting here on a computer, but, like I can't look it up. Yeah, there there was a good tweet he had where he was like his girlfriend was going back uh, overseas, and he was like kind of trying to pretend like he was upset when I think in reality he was <laughs> saying something about me like playing video games all the time. <laughs> um, but I mean, since we last recorded though, and we'll start with the Canadians game, but the Penguins are four, one, no, nine out of his, his bio isn't, it's not line. A, it's Capo Caco. It translates oh, to Capo that's Caco. Good. Also that's even better. <laughs> yeah. That's even better. Um, four, one and one, nine out of a possible 12 difficult to complain. Maybe that's like that's like the theme, man. But difficult to complain about these results. Yeah, they just keep getting results, and you don't hear them making excuses about injuries or anything. Just keep plugging away. Yeah, it's 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 good to see, and I mean, I really think it shows that, as opposed to the last couple of years, this team actually has some has some good depth that 
they've kind of lacked over the past two years that, you know, if one or two guys goes down, it kind of derails the season, whereas this year it's just been next man up and they keep plugging along. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. It's difficult for me. Um, I mean, all things considered as it stands right now, maybe this isn't couth of me to say this, but I don't see anyone in the league that's done a job this year similar to anywhere close to what Mike Sullivan has. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, it's just, it's been masterful. I mean, the way he's navigated it, I think, has been, uh, you know, top to bottom, uh, extremely thorough. Um, I don't, I just don't know that there's a lot of guys out there that have a better, like, understanding slash and or pulse on what's happening at like a day-to-day level with the hockey team. Yeah. Sorry, you guys are going to have to excuse me. I'm going through Larmy's timeline and it's just fucking golden. <laughs> yeah, there's – I've never been that funny <laughs> t- in my life. He tweets with a red light. Tips for goalies who want to score. Aim towards the net. Try to get some air. Try to get the puck over the blue line. Don't give the puck to the opponent. Don't take advice from me. <laughs> That's good. Oh, my God. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll focus. No, you're fine. Um, so I feel like, and this probably won't come as a surprise to anybody, um, but for me, analysis of the Florida game is kind of just pointless. Uh, that three games and four nights thing. <clears throat> yeah, three uh, games and four nights, second end of back-to-back with travel, early 5 p.m. after semi-afternoon game. It's You knew what you were expecting there. It's ugly. Well, not even yeah. semi-afternoon. Like, semi-afternoon game out the window, sort of. It, it's the second game in less than 24 hours. Yeah, the old Steelers might have a divisional round start time. Yeah. Spoiler alert, the Steelers did not (laughs) have a divisional round start time. But I hear hear a former Steelers got a whole lot of money. What do you think about it? Let me be honest with you for a minute. If you – can I make a couple comments, you know, as a a hip-hop fan? Yes. Can I make a can I make a couple comments? Because I did listen to Holt AB's hit single, not hit. Let me take that back. AB's single, a whole lot of money. Um, first of all, I hope Le'Veon Bell takes notes. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you two things. First of all, the song's terrible. It's awful. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, for me, this is a one point three. It, it doesn't get much. It doesn't get much worse. However. There are virtues that Antonio Brown embraced on this song that Le'Veon Bell has yet to figure out. First one, pay someone else to write your lyrics. <laughs> Antonio Brown's verse in this song, and there is, by the way, only one. There's only <laughs> one verse. So what you have is him basically yelling a whole lot of money <laughs> on repeat, like three or four times. There's four which it, Which it, it shouldn't be an earworm. For him constantly repeating a whole lot of money, kind of is. Well, the verse itself, there's no way he wrote it. And I'm not telling you it's good. I'm just telling you he didn't write it. And I know he didn't write it because I've seen Antonio Brown ask for help on his homework on Twitter. And there's no goddamn way that that man came up with that verse. He also yesterday asked Logan Paul to square up. Yeah, that was today, actually. Mike. Oh. Yeah. No white women 2020. Um, and the second thing I'm going to say is the auto tune. Oh, so bad. I disagree with you, Pat. Well, let me, let me rephrase. Is it bad again? Yes. But where I'm comparing it to Le'Veon Bell and here's what Le'Veon Bell's problem is. He doesn't use enough auto tune. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I, what I would want to rephrase that to is it's so bad because man, is it. It's so much auto tune. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is it's so much auto-tune that it's difficult to even tell that it's him. Think of about the most auto-tuned thing you've ever listened to in your life. It's probably a T-Pain song, right? You say T-Pain or Akon? Yeah. No. This is way more auto-tuned than that. But that's a smart move because if you can't sing or carry a tune at all, 
the more you auto tune your song, the less obvious that's going to be. So, 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 um, to make a, a reference to the great television show, the league sidebar to the sidebar here, you're a big, uh, hip hop guy, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So you remember that, what was it? Jay-Z had that song on blueprint where it was like death of auto tune. And then after that, like yeah. everything afterwards became extremely. La, 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 la. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So anyway, um, thanks for stopping by for your, uh, football takes on a baseball podcast that talks about hockey. <laughs> yeah. How is, uh, I have to talk about the, Oh my God. How is, I, how is high and outside all, your baseball I, column going? I, <laughs> I think that somebody on Twitter who I, all I all I said was I didn't think that it was unfair for you know to ask the Penguins for a little bit more out of Crystal Tang. <laughs> that was all the tweet said, right? And since Brian Dumoulin's been out, it's been a little bit of a rough go, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But uh, that's all I said. I didn't, I didn't think it was like a super controversial take, you know. And um, next every, thing every- you know. Every take is controversial now. Well, then next thing you know, somebody says to me, um, I think they confused me with Jesse Spector, who writes about baseball now. <laughs> They're like, why don't you stick to baseball? And, that that um, makes a lot more sense because I, initially I was like, did somebody really just confuse Jesse with Jason Mackey? No, a couple people said that Jason Mackey piece, but I, I, I legitimately believe it was Jesse Spector. That makes a lot more sense. First name. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he told me to stick to baseball. <clears throat> and it's Remind, funny because if you pick me, a professional sport, like the two that I know the least about are baseball and basketball. Reminds me of when uh, Ben Rothenberg, who used to or maybe I thought still you write, just mispronounced Ben Rothenberg. No, uh, Broad Street Hockey slash USA Today covers tennis. Okay. Um, people always tweet at him during Steeler games about Ben Roethlisberger because I guess they just type Ben R-O and then they just... R-O-E, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the same thing that's been happening with Pete Blackburn. Everybody keeps tweeting at him thinking he's Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, the... What the hell was I just going to tell you? I totally just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I have uh, I NHL was, Network on in the background. Was, I'm watching, my, I think that was my fault. So no, sorry. I'm watching Tampa score nine goals against Vancouver, and it's mesmerizing. That's just today, by the way. Um, what were we talking about, though, before we went? We ta- oh, baseball. Yeah, Cr- baseball Crystal thing. Thing. Crystal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he confuses me with Jesse Spector and tells me to stick to baseball. So Tim Thorson tweets me and he's like, by the way, man, like welcome to a 162 game season. <laughs> so I, re- I said I retired from baseball, went to cricket. And then Rob McGregor uh, said cricket matches can last five days. <laughs> and I didn't. What? Five days. Tr- it can, it can, that's how long a cricket match can last. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm never picking that sport up. <sighs> no, I don't know the first thing about cricket. No, I couldn't tell you. Just, I know that every now and then someone gets absolutely crushed in the nards. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, how much – this is this is a good question for you guys, um, and, and it kind of takes us out of the purview of the Penguins for a minute, but I think it's worth asking. Uh, the back-to-back sweep of the Predators, the 5-2 and the 6-4, how much of a role did that play in uh, Peter Laviolet getting fired? I don't think that much, really. I mean – it, it definitely didn't help his case, but I don't think when David Poyle dropped the hammer on him, he was like, yeah, and you got you got swept back-to-back by Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think, I think their blowing of a lead in the Winter Classic on national television maybe had more of an effect. Yeah. Um, and then you had David Poyle come out today and said, I, I, I uh, don't think that it was anything to do with him, but it was the player's fault. David and then Poyle's I'm thinking like – who were the players? Who's responsible for picking the players? Yeah, that guy's a jackass. Well, um, like, do, do we want to yeah. just talk about that now? Since I know we are gonna do, t- we will take a look around the NHL since we're talking about it now. Please, like, I, I, I quote tweeted Pierre LeBron uh, today because he said something like, "Oh, the boo hooing from everybody about hockey being always retreading and picking the same guys." 
here's a good coach who's getting a second chance with a good organization. What's not to like? And I was like, Nashville just hired what they considered to, or just fired what they considered to be an underachieving coach and hired a guy who was fired for a team that was considered to be underachieving. I think that's enough not to like, like I could be completely wrong. And, you know, maybe finally he turns his team around <coughs> and UC Soros make a fucking save. But like, it's the same shit in hockey. Every time nobody wants to be creative. Everybody's fucking risk averse. And they just decide, Oh, well he's a good hockey guy and he's a real nice guy. Like, okay. So he cleared the one hurdle of not being a dick. So you hired him for that. He's, not a, a good coach. He has an right. under five hundred record. Pat, I'm gonna. I, I don't disagree with anything you said, but I'm gonna give you several examples right now that carry your quote unquote. Like you, I think you called it risk aversion, right? Yeah. Okay. So, on that note, the Cleveland Browns are probably gonna like hire somebody like Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Ron Rivera is now the head coach of the Washington Redskins. <laughs> oh, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher kept getting hired by everybody. Oh no, Jesse. I. I, I, I so all I'm saying is like it, it's cross sport. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm saying. I'm agreeing. Yeah. I, I, on on that note, I saw a good one today. It was a good joke. It said the Giants hired the first guy who answered the phone at Gillette Stadium. How about this one, Mike? West Ham United just fucking hired David Moyes back. <laughs> I know. I told I I was all over it giving you shit about it if you recall yeah it, it to, but it's it's a will, problem not to interrupt you sports. two two and oh under the moisey there you right go now. there you Mikey, go okay two and oh under the moisey little bastard <laughs> again okay but yeah it, it, it's it's a problem across all pro sports like every executive and manager and owner is more worried about mitigating mistakes than they are trying to strengthen what they have and i think you look at what the Penguins have done under Sullivan, what their opponent tonight, the Golden Knights have done under Gallant, and now what the Maple Leafs are doing under Keith, instead of worrying about, I need to make this square peg fit in a round hole and make this roster that's filled with speed and talent and offense, oh, well, you know, I got to make sure they can play defense. Like, no, like, let the horses run. Like, quit trying to... True. The reality, though, too, Pat, is that sometimes you step outside the box and you hire Mike Johnston. Right, but that was also a mistake that got rectified pretty quickly. Like, they didn't hold on to Johnston for five years and finally go, well, you know, we're at exactly 500 and might be time. Oh, thank God for that. (laughs) Thank God for that. Because there's a lot of teams and... Like, which is which is what makes the hiring of Hines in Nashville even more uh, frustrating. Is Poyle has never fired a coach midseason until now, and then his response to doing that was, "Oh, well, I'm just going to go hire this guy who has an under 500 record as a head coach in the NHL, has never finished ahead, has never finished better than fifth in the division, and only made the playoffs once." And the only reason he did was because Taylor Hall went unhuman and won the MVP and dragged that team kicking and screaming to the playoffs. Yeah. Is, um, do we want to get into Chris Letang? Yeah. Why not? All right. Here's my opinion. I'm going to lay it out there. I think that Chris Letang is a really good player who's not playing well with Jack Johnson and has made some really bad errors and will rectify it and everything's going to be fine. It's, <clears throat> we're all going to live happily ever after. It's not exactly... Uh, Except Mike. Mike's got to live in the basement. <laughs> um, is, that, is that metaphorically? No. I, I just... You know, I, what is annoying to me is that... And I mentioned this on Twitter. We're in a world now where, like, we're living in this hyper-analysis of Crystal Tang. You know? Mm-hmm. Where, like, everything he has ever chosen to do is now getting... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's not even game by game; it's shift by shift. Correct, which is stupid. Yeah, and I just, you know, the the rule of hockey for me anyway is that never, you know, I don't I don't know if I still believe in this length of time, but never judge anything in less than ten games. Yeah, I just feel like <clears> it's stupid. Yeah, f- five to ten games is really what you got to judge a player's body of work on because you can have a tremendous game one night, come out the next, look terrible, 
be average in the third and then pick it up in the fourth. So you can't really gather anything from that. And not to mention, it's losing the forest through the trees on this point for Chris Letang. Like, you're just you're isolating on one player and you're looking for mistakes by hyper-analyzing and you're not looking at the context around it. Like, he's used to playing with a Brian Dumoulin who is, while not a speedster, is far more fleet of foot than Jack Johnson and has a little bit more of a creative mind on the back end than Jack Johnson. Like to what I said, talking about uh, John Hines and just all of risk of the risk aversion thing. One of Johnson's biggest flaws is he is the poster child for risk aversion. Like, I think it was something you wrote about in the athletic Jesse to where when Latang has the puck in the corner, Johnson's in front of the net. That's a risk aversion move. That's, oh, I got to cover the front of the net because I can't leave the slot open rather than what Brian Dumoulin does, which is go behind the net and become an outlet for him. Well, I think that's a big, you know, I was, I went back and was trying to watch video and, and I looked up the results with, uh, you know, Latang and, and Johnson together and they're, they're turd. They're just crap. Um, and, and, you know, I think personally, guys, it takes away from, you know, the decent season that Jack Johnson has had because analytically speaking, he hasn't been as good in like three or four years. So, you know, he's got his warts, but I can't I can't sit here and tell you that he hasn't been like remotely serviceable. Um, I I think what happens is, you know, Brian Dumoulin on the breakout is always looking for ways to support Chris Letang. Jack Johnson on the breakout is kind of looking for ways to either not have the puck or, you know, protect the area that he thinks is most important. And that, you know, considering the, the amount of risk inherent in some of the decisions that Latang makes, makes it difficult because when he works his way into trouble, he doesn't have that, you know, it's no different than a quarterback throwing a check down pass, you know. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And, um, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, um, not having that option, you know, it's it's kind of forcing the forcing them to throw downfield a little bit. Yeah, he's for he's forced to make higher risk plays because he doesn't have that simple outlet, as you put it, as the check down. Yeah, and I mean, even the aspect of playing with a different player than he's used to playing with. Hmm. Why hasn't Mike Sullivan given any time to Marcus Pedersen with Crystal Tang? What is it about that duo that makes him seem so like risk averse to that? I think he likes Pedersen with Marino. I think it's more of he likes that pairing more than he likes putting Pedersen and when, with Tang. Yeah, and when Schultz is in the lineup, it's Schultz. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I, I don't think it, I don't think it's I don't think it's so much a risk aversion, which is apparently the term of the day uh to wanting i think it's more just he likes that pairing enough that he's going to keep them together rather than break them up for the sake of chris letang yeah i just think that there you know i don't know maybe we'll get to this next year or something but i might feel like there there's something about marcus Pedersen that you know makes him savvy enough to give letang that kind of support on the breakout, you know, cause he carries the puck himself so much. Now that being said, I've had a blast watching Pedersen and Marino wheel that thing around. I mean, they've mm-hmm. been fun. I think they've been, if nothing else, they've been fun <laughs> sometimes in a very like anxious, you know, mental breakdown kind of way. <laughs> um, but I, you've seen, and it's like the last couple games though, too. Like, I think you've started to see it catch up with Marino a little bit, you know, where, you know, there's, there's plays where, you know, I think he's put himself into a little bit of trouble too. So I think that message from Mike Sullivan to simplify it um, is, is important. I'll tell you what else is important too, guys, is Mike Sullivan's inherent that, – that same night we had another message from Mike Sullivan where, where he said, look, when you take the minutes Latang takes and you play the deployment he plays, it ain't going to be pretty. It ain't going to be perfect and, and we're not looking for that. Yeah, so I thought yeah, it was a good acknowledgement. You're not only playing a lot of minutes, you're playing a lot of minutes against good players. Yeah. Yeah, and you, exactly. and you play half of a game, law of averages say like it's not going to be perfect. 
Yeah. Um. So we got Penguins Vegas. We're going to cover that on the next show. My bet, and I'm just throwing this in there um, as a spicy little meatball, I think Sidney Crosby is going to play Friday against the Avalanche. Yeah, I mean, he had, For the Cole a, had a long skating session plus a full practice this morning. Boy, it's as a hockey fan, it's great. You know, like just how good was he playing with a sports hernia like yeah. three months ago? Yeah. You know, and and the Penguins play over the last two weeks has given him time to perhaps rest a little longer than he may have if they were struggling. Let's just get this out of the way. Who's playing on his line? Oof. Who you put? Who you put with Sidney Crosby right now? I mean that's tough now because his his right hand man and Jake Gensel's out. I mean I think you put Dom Simone back with him because that's what he likes. That's his. Yeah, that's his, yeah, I'd one agree. Of his preferred. Maybe Brian Rust. I don't touch that Rust Malkin connection. To me, that's inseparable. Here's what I do: I put him with Patrick Hornquist and Dominic Cahoon. Oh yeah. I like that. Which a lot. he probably, which he probably hates. <laughs> but, um, you know, spoiler alert: Cahoon scores against Vegas. Um, and in addition to that, uh, I, I just I didn't quite understand the, I, the the whole thought behind putting him in the fourth line to begin with. It wasn't that long ago that he was scoring goals like the Dickens. Yeah, I said like the Dickens. <laughs> I just feel like Mike Sullivan's got like I, I, there's something he's seeing we're not because I'm not seeing what uh, you know what what he's not doing I guess. I, I mean I th- I think Cahoon has proven in his short time as an NHLer that he can play really well with elite talent. We saw what he did in Chicago. We saw how he's turned it around this year in Pittsburgh. Like, I, let it fly for five games. See how he does. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that are probably hesitant to put Patrick Hornquist back in the top six, but he's got 10 goals in 26 games, so um, I'll take it. When he's healthy, he scores. Yeah, like the, like you can you can hem and haw about everything he's done the last year and a half, but when the guy's healthy, he scores. The, the numbers straight up say that. Here's the other thing, too, Pat. Uh, when it comes to this season specifically, remember that like that last injury, he just like fell. It was like yeah. weird. It was like a weird, you know, bizarro type situation. Typical what the Penguins have gone through. Yeah, it, it wasn't the kind of injury you would expect a guy who plays his style to take have getting beat up in front of the net, stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, we'll talk about the Vegas game. We got the Avalanche, and then the Coyotes uh, uh, on Saturday or Sunday, excuse me, um, for a little visit uh, over to Phil's new place. Um, another week, another uh, Mike Darnay sticking some shit about Liverpool in the rundown. I didn't. I didn't put it in. I just don't have to take it out. Yeah. I have yet to have to take it out. That's all. Pat, to explain to you what I was mentioning earlier, last year, no, not last year, the year before that, which makes it even worse, I think. Uh, West Ham was really bad, and their manager sucked, and they fired him, and they hired a guy named David Moyes. No, no, no. They did not fire him. They sacked him. They sacked him. (laughs) They sacked him, and they hired a guy named David Moyes, who was just like, it's, uh, what's the NHL equivalent of David Moyes, Mike? Um... Mike, probably Mike Johnston. So anyway, they barely stayed up. They, they, they I was going to say Michelle Terrian. Yeah, he's not mean enough for that. I just don't think he is like the. He's way more cowardly than Michelle Terrian was. Anyway, Guy Boucher. He did, keep, he did keep the team. There you go. That's a really good one. Yeah, Guy Boucher. He did keep the team up, Pat. Uh, but it was very. It wasn't impressive at all. We were. I, I had a nervous breakdown, and then we immediately fired him. And uh, we've just rehired him. (laughs) 
<laughs> so our other manager fell to shreds and um, didn't really care all that much about what the fact that we were losing. Um, we fired him and thought it would be a great idea to bring the guy back who barely <laughs> kept us alive the last time we needed help. Hey. And not only that, we signed him like three-year contract. <laughs> hey, you know what they say. If at first you don't succeed, try and fail again. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're 2-0 and under the old Moisey, so maybe he's got something for me. That uh, uh, Also, I want to start a segment. <laughs> I want to start a segment with obscure international football team of the week. <laughs> Um, this one this week, Mike, is Kakamega Homeboys. Oh, wow. That's a K-A-K-A-M-E-G-A Homeboys, H-O-M-E-B-O-Y-Z. <laughs> Their logo uh, says Kakamega Homeboys on it and has two bright yellow stalks of corn on a... <laughs> Kakamega <laughs> Homeboys sounds like... Can you just Google that for me real quick so you could look at the logo? I, I will, but it sounds like... A CD it also, somebody would give you while walking through Lawrenceville. It also has a uh, a soccer ball position on what I can only describe as a rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> so they are they are based out of Kenya. Yeah, they're Kenyan Kenyan uh, Kenyan top division. Uh, Kakamega homeboys might get me a kit. Any team that supports corn like that is it's a friend of mine. Based out of Kenya, they're named the Kakamega homeboys. Are they sp- homeboys with a Z? Are they sponsored by Power Thirst? <laughs> no, because I, I don't know what role the corn is playing. <laughs> but I mean, if you literally their their logo is there, and then there's two giant bright yellow stalks, and, like ears of corn, just sticking right in there. Oh, that's so that's tremendous. Michael, uh, take us to the pe- pe- take us to the word from the people. Let's let's drop the beat the beat seeds. Let's see what we got here. Uh, first question actually was Let's hear not, from the homeboys. Was actually not a question for us, but was a question for Josh Yoey's mailbag. Um, but it said, "Will dying alive in the penultimate podcast ever have a crossover show?" Oh, it's coming. Yeah, it has to be. Coming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be Gentelli only because the chaos that's going to ensue from that's, that. That, <laughs> that episode is um, going to be a circus. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a shit show. Uh, let's see. Dish asks, reheated pizza for breakfast is better than that same pizza fresh for dinner. Fact or fiction? That's bullshit. Fiction. That is absolute shit. I won't even, first of all, I won't even stand for that slander. I, I actually will say the same thing. However, I will counter that, that cold pizza is better than reheated pizza. Yeah. So I was going to say, who uh, okay, reheats yeah. pizza? Yeah. And let me say this too. There is no pizza that is better reheated than fresh out of the oven. Correct. Uh, can I <clears throat> chime in with a correspondence? Sure. Because I had a couple people ask me it and I sent it to you guys yesterday. Uh, so there was that tweet going around that was like, quote this with a story about you that seems like it's a lie but is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So I went with that, and I quoted it with, I once drove Pascal Dupuy from Pittsburgh International Airport to Wheeling, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people were like, oh, you got to tell this story on the podcast. And it's really not much of a story, but I'll recall it just for those that asked. Um, so when I was working for the Nailers, we had a Pittsburgh Penguins night, and we basically like had a jersey design that was – very similar to the Penguins jerseys and did a whole bunch of in-arena stuff that, like, uh, mirrored what they do at PPG and, like, changed the goal song and the goal horn and all that stuff. And Dupuy was there to, like, sign autographs and take pictures. And when I was working for them, I guess, like, the car service they usually book, like, wasn't available for the week or whatever. So they were like, hey, do you want to take this our one suv and go pick him up from the airport and drive him back and i was like yeah sure why not so i go pick him up at pittsburgh international and when i pick him up he's i have him in the back seat and he goes hey uh could you uh just mute the radio i gotta make a phone call and i was like yeah no problem 
And I'm thinking, like, he's got to call his family or something, just say, hey, I made it, I'm back, I'm heading to West Virginia now. And I hear him on the phone, and he goes, uh, yeah, Brian? Yeah, Brian from the Nailers? Yeah. Yeah, this is Dupuy. Uh, I'm sitting in here at Pittsburgh International, and uh, where the fuck's your boy? You said he was here. I don't know the fuck he is. I'm not going to be able to make it to fucking Wheeling in time because this fucking idiot's still not here. And I'm, like, sitting in the front seat, like, death gripping the wheel, like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my fucking job because of Pascal Dupuy. And then he just, like, lets out this huge laugh. He goes, no, nah, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm in, oh, we're on our way now. And I was like, this son of a bitch. <laughs> What kind of car? Funny. What kind of car uh, did you have? GMC Denali. Nice. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, I wasn't picking them up at, at the time. My Hyundai Elantra that looked real fucking stupid. I was hoping that's what you were gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> like, hi, you want to go to West Virginia in my shitty little car? <laughs> uh, what else you got, Mike? Uh, Brad asks, does the talk of Mike Sullivan winning the Jack Adams award evaporate the moment Crosby hits the ice or a month or so later? Uh, it's not, it's not, it's not for me. I, well, I agree. I think he, I'm beating that drum. I, th- I think he is asking from a national perspective that um, when, when Crosby comes back do the voters say now somebody else will get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do see his point though, that people will not look at the whole thing. And they'll they'll see Sidney Crosby coming back and all that. So I think a lot of it is going to depend on where the Penguins finish. Yeah, if they finish in a wild card spot, I don't think he has. I don't think they're going to give him as much of a a look. But if I think they finish in the top three in the division, he's definitely going to be in the conversation, if not the winner. Uh, Nate asks favorite Pixar movie. It's Toy Story. Wally. You went with Wally. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Cars. Yeah, I guess I forgot Toy Story was a Pixar movie. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll go with Toy Story. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Cars just to be. Because um, it's like one of the eight movies you've seen. Yeah. No. Also, just to be. I can't think of the word I want to use right contrarian? now. Contrarian. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. <clears throat> fuck it. I'm going back to Wally. <laughs> Never seen uh, Wally. Dan- me either. Shocking. Oh, who'd have thought? Uh, Dan Fowler asks, can Sidney Crosby fill the hole in the roster left by the all-star Jake Gensel, or is that too unrealistic? I think he'll find a way. Yeah, yeah I, think that, I think that young, scrappy upstart Sidney Crosby will be able to fill in Jake Gensel's shoes. Uh, Harrison Baldwin asks, can Pullen, Addison, and Ligari make an impact with this core, or should they be looked at as trade bait? I think one of them has to be looked at as trade bait, but I think you got to hold on to at least two of the three. What, who are the players again? Pullen, Addison, Ligari. Oh, I don't trade any of the three. So I would you, trade, so you I do would trade see, Pierre, Olivier, Joseph. So you do Lamar, see all three them. having an impact with this core? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think depending on wh- I think depending on where you're at as your st- I just think it's given how long this core is going to play. Yeah. Yeah, and I also but I also think it depends on where you see this team in regards to being a contender and if you really want to get that last piece to fill in and really push the team over the top, I think you can part with one of them, but not mm. more than that. Mm. Philip Hollander is probably the one I'd be most likely to part ways with. Yeah, I always forget about Hollander. He, he's definitely one. That's because he's not playing right now. <laughs> More, yeah, but like he's one of the like he's not those th- yeah. like you look at those three. Those are the, probably the top three. Well, out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah, it's the old Swedish element. Uh, Jeff Phillips asks, "Do you think the Penguins will go after a higher dollar rental, like a pending free agent, now that Jake's money will be off the cap for the remainder of the year?" I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, it gives them a little more flexibility to do so. Yeah, I I, th- I think I think they they are going to do the 2015 Blackhawks thing with Gensel's money being off the cap. They're going to take a run at somebody big. Mm. Uh, Flagrant Swag says, "Hey guys, as always, love the show. Would you rather have to give up listening to music slash podcasts slash audiobooks, or have to give up watching TV shows and movies?" God damn it! Holy shit, that's hard. I mean. Snap reaction, I would say TV shows and movies because yeah, same here. Like I can't give up music. I can't give up music, and I 
I, I don't. I'm guessing when he says audiobooks, he probably also means books themselves. I don't really do audiobooks, but I do read a lot of books. Yeah, I would I would agree because if we're giving up shows and movies, it means you still get live sports and live news and stuff, but not shows. I would say. Yeah, and we're in like we're in such an overwhelming era of TV that I'm just like I I should watch this maybe no I should also watch it uh, and then I just never end up watching any of it. Yeah. Uh, Brian Todd asks, why doesn't Yusa Rikula get more love? When everyone's healthy, he's no less than number 70 and possibly should be number six. I mean, Logjam really at the, of, of, in like the four, five, six, seven spot on Penguins defense. Like, really, I think all those guys are interchangeable for the most part. Yeah, I, I don't think it's anything he's doing specifically. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kevin Reuter asks, how do the underlying numbers look for Latang and Johnson compared with Latang and Marino and Latang and Dumoulin? How much should we read into recent play? And then he says, let's calm down, people. Chris Latang will be just fine. He answered his own question. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Jay asks, do you think that injuries have contributed? Wait, do you guys think that injuries have contributed for Rust to follow through on opportunities, meaning line mates, or is it just purely Brian Rust following through on opportunities? It's a little column A, a little column B. Like, I think it's always been there for Rust. It doesn't always show up consistently, but he is also definitely made the most of being elevated in the lineup and skating on Malkin's wing. I think, I think tangibly for me, Rust has just made a decision <laughs> to carry the puck a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think he's just had it on his stick more. Wow. And, and probably the, that's con- probably in the confidence that comes with. Yeah. Doing and that's so. probably to Pat's point, right? Like that's, it's always been there. Maybe that puck possession was, you know, what needed to bring it out, you know? Yeah. Um, Cole Del Vecchio asks, what Penguins moment, moment from the decade made you feel like you were dying alive? <laughs> Can I pick the entire Mike Johnston era? I would say giving up eight goals in back-to-back playoff games in 2012. I think for me, it was the Penguins being down 0-2 to Detroit in 9 because it was that sense of, like, what if they never get back here again? They're and and the, like, coming, coming, off the, like, coming off the repeat of losing the first two games in 8 mm-hmm. same script. That, at that moment, Ooh. like, yeah, I'd hope, but it was like, oh, damn it. Actually, I got to go with the 2013 playoff run. And it, w- it was like it, watching them put Iginla on the wrong wing. It was like just watching a car coming at you and you knew you couldn't get out of the way. Like you just knew eventually it was going to bite them in the ass and it did in the conference final. Mm. Uh, Mark has two questions. One, does every market have members of the media going after each other like certain ones do here in Pittsburgh? It just seems excessive. He says it seems excessive compared to other cities. This is very specific to Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, Second question, if you were to create a completely new and original Penguins jersey, what would it look like? New and original? Shit. Yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I'm going to have to think on that one. I'll draw something up. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely, like, go more towards what their thirds are now, like, go with a gold base but like on the spot I, I, yeah. I have no idea yeah to to find a new logo or something I don't yeah. know um <clears throat> I'm not sure what this que- how this question is phrased but Jeff asks is Jack Johnson's performance this year only worth the money he's getting paid I, I, I think he's asking is his salary this year justified um, I would say yes. I would say yes if that's what he's asking. I think so. Yeah. Think if so. N- if not, tell me that I read it incorrectly. And yeah, if if that's what he means, he it it, it is just because 
like people seem to forget that you have to still have to pay players and player salaries and salary caps are going up. So even if a guy isn't all that great, but he's been a career NHL for better or for worse, that's about the going rate. Yeah. And lastly, Lara asks, what should the Penguins players New Year's resolutions be? For example, Gino to stop taking dumb penalties all over the place again. How about this one? No one gets hurt. Yeah. Yeah, stop. I think that's a e- e- little easier said than done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Perhaps perhaps Matt Murray can resolve to stop pucks. Yeah, get healthy, live, laugh, love. The usual. We got anything else? That's it. Gentlemen, it's been a great show. It has. Yeah. This, this is a good one. As always, I have enjoyed our time together. Thank you for listening. We'll be back very soon. See ya. Goodbye.